This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Morning. I just want to have a show of hands. Who here, uh, you're in a habit of giving gifts for Christmas? Anyone? Okay, yes. My auntie Mason behind, yes. She's given us the gifts already. I got a fine blue towel for Christmas this year from her. Very helpful, very helpful. Very, no, very, very much appreciated gift. Anyone else? Habit of buying gifts? A few hands. Uh, those who haven't put out your hand, is it because you haven't finished your shopping? So you, you know, don't want to put your hand up first. Well, for those of us who are in the habit of buying gifts, I think you can agree with me that the ideal, okay, the ideal is that we buy gifts and we give the gift motivated purely out of love. That's the ideal. But the reality, the reality uh, can sometimes be uh, different. Sometimes we can give out of obligation. And I can remember one time I gave Maria a gift, uh, either for birthday or Christmas or something. And I did it, uh, of course I love my wife, but I also bought the gift out of obligation. <clears throat> because, because she had given me a very nice gift, you know, for my birthday or something. And so I felt obligated to buy something nice for her. So I went out and I can remember I, I took Elliot along, you know, on the pretext of taking him out, you know, trying to surprise her. I saw I had one afternoon to buy the gift and I saw uh, watches on sale, 50% off. So I, I looked at it and said, okay, I, I think she'll like this one. So I, I bought the watch and I gave it to her and because she's such a kind woman, she showed appreciation for it. And for a while she wore it, but notice she doesn't wear it anymore. <laughs> Because it turned out that this gift bought out of uh, obligation and love turned out to be a gift that she didn't really need, and a gift that she didn't particularly like. Now this is in stark contrast to the gift that God gave, the gift that God has given us that first Christmas. Because He is a God of love, because this is a God who has made us, who knows us, the gift that he has given. It is a perfect gift. It is a gift that we truly need. It is a gift that is suited to who we are. Now, I want to ask the gift that God gave. And to do that by looking at uh, one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's uh, John 3.16. And you can find it printed there in your bulletin uh, at the top of the outline. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It is uh, the most well-known verse in the Bible. And Martin Luther has called this the, this one verse, the heart of the Bible, the gospel in miniature. And I'm told that this is... Uh, the first verse that missionaries will translate when they go into a different culture, different language, the first verse they will translate into that local language will be John 3.16. And undoubtedly, because it is the most famous verse 
many of us here will be familiar with that verse, but I want to appeal to you. Don't let that familiarity of that verse dull you to our, you know, the next 10, 15 minutes as we consider what this verse has to teach us. Because in this verse, because it is at the heart of the gospel, because it is the, the, the Bible in miniature, it contains so many great realities. So many great realities contained in one verse. So many great realities that I promise you, far more important, far more crucial than whatever you can have on your mind right now. So some of us, we're here and we're thinking about other things. We're thinking about plans for holidays or, you know, this issue, that issue. But I promise you, because of the great realities contained in this verse, nothing in your mind right now can compare to what this verse has to tell us, to teach us about God and the gift that He's given. So please, I appeal to you, uh, you know, focus on this one verse and be uh, blessed, be refreshed by the great realities this verse has to bring to us. So firstly, we consider... In the outline, you can see uh, love, love. And love is the answer to the question of what motivated God to give the gift. What motivated God? The motivation was love. Now, at this point, some of us might be tempted to think, yeah, I can relate to that. Because, you know, I love my wife, I love my kids. You know, it's very obvious I love my wife because I bought her a watch. Well, you see, the love that motivated God to give the gift is a completely different kind of love. The love referred to in John 3.16 is not the kind of love that we have for our wife, for our partners, for our kids, for our family, for our friends. It is not the same kind of love. Now, let me try and illustrate this by telling you the true story of one of my students who shall, you know, for reasons which will be obvious, uh, remain nameless. Now, this uh, student of mine, he got to an age where he decided it's time to find a girlfriend, it's time to get married. Okay, and you know how he went about trying to find a girlfriend? He just went looking randomly on Facebook. So... <laughs> So randomly, you know, friends of friends, you say, ah, this girl looks not bad. And then he'll write a message to her, you know, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so, and, you know, I saw your friend of this person. Hey, can we be friends? And then, amazingly, some girls actually reply. And then he strikes up a conversation, and one by one, he decides whether this is girlfriend material or not. Okay, so this is how he went about finding a girlfriend. And i got to tell you, somehow, it worked. Because he's getting married in February. Okay, sometime last year, he messaged me, why? I found her. And then he, you know, showed me a picture of, of her, you know, he and him, to, her and him together. I found her. And then they're getting married next February. Now, so the question is, the question is, of all the girls that he interviewed, you know, uh, through Facebook, why her? Why in the end, decide on her. Why love her? Why not 
Like, why not the first one and save himself a lot of time? Why her? And the answer is because he loves her personality. He loves the way he feels when he's with her. He loves the way she looks. He, he loves the way she laughs at his jokes. He loves the fact that uh, she's funny and intelligent. In other words, his love for her is a love that is earned. There was something attractive, something compelling, some beauty and worthiness about her that, that elicited the love from him to pour forth in response. But friends, not so the love of God. God's love is not drawn out by some inherent beauty or worthiness or goodness of its objects. Rather, God loves because He is a God of love. God loves because God is love. God's love originates from Him. It comes out, it gushes forth, and it pours out on its objects, not because of something attractive or worthy of its objects. God loves because God is love. It comes from within Him, and that is the reason why He loves. Now, this is made clear by the object of God's love that we are told in this verse, that God so loved the world. And when we hear the word world here, we must not think, ah, lush greenery, picturesque mountains, you know, the you know, a picture of a father swinging his daughter on a swing, you know, in the kitchen, the son baking a cake for the mother for Mother's Day. No, no, don't, don't, don't think any of these things. Because when John, uh, the writer of this verse, when he writes the word world, nine out of ten times when he refers to this word in this book, he is talking about a world, a humanity, that is in rebellion against God. When he writes world, he's talking about a sinful world. He's talking about a world, a humanity that is in opposition to God. So, the love of God is not motivated by any inherent beauty or worthiness. Rather, it is in spite of humanity's inherent rebellion. In spite of humanity's rejection of God, God loves the world, because God is a God of love. Now, at this point, some of us might be a bit put off. You know, hey, why? You're saying to me that, that, that there's nothing, absolutely nothing attractive in me? Yes, yes, I you know. Surely, I'm not, you know, uh, you know, like the saints, like Mother Teresa, you know, so perfect and pure, but, but aren't I so much better than the the, the, the mass of humanity that's doing so many bad things, you know, aren't I so much better than them? I mean, I may not be cream of the crop, but surely I'm somewhere up there. Well, my challenge to you is, if you think that way, how about imagining a video of the past week of your life? Put up here, for everyone to see everything that you've done, all the thoughts, all the motivations that ran through your mind and your heart, everything laid bare the past one week. 
I will show you that after the video, you know as well as I do that that no one will be making eye contact with you. That there would be an awkwardness and embarrassment in the room. Because we know if it is all laid bare, there is so much that we would be ashamed of. And that is just one week. But here we are talking about <clears throat> the God who knows all and sees all. And to this God who, to whom nothing is hidden, He so loved the world, the sinful, rebellious world. And how did this God love the world? He loved the world by the giving of His one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. The greatness of God's love is seen in the greatness of the gift He gave his one and only Son. Now, I just want to help us consider the greatness of the gift by getting us to think back to our responsive reading when we read in Genesis 22, in the, the first book of the Bible, where God said to Abraham, as a test of Abraham's devotion to God, you know, Abraham, go and sacrifice your son, your only son, it is repeated. And Abraham, out of love and devotion and obedience to God, he obeys. He brings his son. And the story we're told is they, they go and at a certain point, Abraham says to the servant, okay, from here on, it's just me and Isaac. And the wood is placed on Isaac. And uh, Abraham carries the fire, he carries the knife, and together, father and son, they walk up the hill. They walk up Mount Moriah. And as they go up, Isaac notices something's missing. And so he asks his father, Father, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And then, you know, most likely with, with a lump in his throat, you know, Abraham gets the words out, Oh, the Lord will provide. And they reach the place of sacrifice and Abraham binds his son, his only son, to the altar of wood that he has prepared. And he raises up the knife and he is prepared to plunge it down into his son. But the angel stops him. Abraham, Abraham! And, 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 and with relief, Abraham stops and he says, yes, 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 here I am. And the angel says, the angel says, do not lay a hand on the boy. Because now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And there Abraham looks, and there in the thicket a ram caught by his horns, because the Lord did provide a substitute for Isaac. But little did Abraham know that 2,000 years later, there would be another son walking up that same hill, also with a, a cross of wood strapped to his back. And when the knife of God's judgment was prepared to plunge into the heart of this son, there was no angel crying out, stop. Because there would be no substitute for this son. Because this son was to be the substitute. And in the giving of his son, God has fully and finally provided because God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. 
and in the gift of his son, he gave the perfect gift. He gave the gift that was exactly what we needed. Because in the giving of his son, he has provided the substitute. In the giving of his son, it was a giving of the son to come to earth and die on the cross. In the giving of his son, the son was given the name Jesus. And Jesus means the Lord saves. That was the name given to the son when he came. The Lord saves, that's what the name means. And in the Christmas story, the angel says to Joseph, remember? Angel says to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Because for all our sins, because for all our opposition, our rebellion and rejection of God, we deserve death. We deserve, each one of us, the knife of God's judgment. But God has provided a substitute. Why? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And why did He give His one and only Son? It tells us that, and the word that here is, is the word for purpose. So that we can read, He gave His one and only Son so that for this purpose, for this purpose that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when we say eternal life, we're not talking about life as we know it, life in this world as we know it going on forever because that would not be a great thing for many of us, we would agree. Rather, this eternal life is the opposite of perishing. And why would we perish? We will perish because of our sins. We will perish because that is what we deserve for our sins, for our rebellion. But instead of death, there can now be eternal life. And this is a life of knowing God, a life of being in right relationship with Him. And it is a life that begins in the here and now. It is a life that will culminate with literally, actually living with God, enjoying His presence, dwelling with Him, with all joy and blessing and for all eternity. This is the purpose for which God gave the gift of His Son. And it is a gift that is for whoever. Now this is the last word in the verse I want us to focus on. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. On the basis of John 3.16, we can say to everyone, I can say to everyone here that God loves you. He has loved you in the giving of His Son. This is how He has loved you. He has given His Son as a substitute. He has given His Son and the Son has died on the cross to save us from our sins. And all you need to do to receive this gift, to accept God's love, is to believe in the Son. To receive by believing, to receive by trusting that this is a gift that you really need. This is the gift that you need most of all. And in receiving this gift, your sins will be forgiven. 
you will not perish. You will have eternal life. You will live with God forever. God loves you. And as we go into the rest of this year, uh, a time of Christmas celebration, you know, hopefully we will hear the name Jesus and we will hear the name Jesus fairly often during this period. And I want to ask you that when you hear the name Jesus, please bring to your mind the meaning behind the name Jesus. So whenever you hear the name Jesus, think to yourself, the one who saves us from our sins. Okay, so let me, let me try. Eh? Jesus. And when you hear the name Jesus, think to yourself, the one who saves us from our sins. So wherever you are in relation to this Jesus, whether you you're someone who has trusted him, you have received this gift long ago. But this gift is not just to be received and thrown to one side. This gift is meant to be received and to be cherished as a treasure. So when you hear the name Jesus, remember the gift that God has given you that you should cherish, that we should treasure. When you hear the name Jesus, think, the one who saves us from our sins. But if you are not someone here who has received the gift, maybe this Christmas will be one where you truly come to appreciate how much God has loved you and what it means that He has given you this perfect gift. I hope and pray that this Christmas will be that one for you. And when you hear the name Jesus, remember the one who saves us from our sins. I wish you a very blessed Christmas. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.